Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Hey, Scriptorians, this is Lori, and welcome back. We are headed into 1 Nephi chapter 8 and Lehi's dream and Nephi's vision. Join me next on the 20-Minute Scriptorian. All right, Scriptorians, so we are moving quickly through the beginning of 1 Nephi in the Book of Mormon on Come Follow Me, January 2020. And I want to start out with a question that I want you to think about. Why does the Lord... Use a vision or a dream to communicate at all. And as a follow-up question, why wouldn't the Lord just tell you straight out, this is what it's like, this is what it means? I think there's something vital in understanding why a dream or a vision is being used and how we can apply it to us. So let's dive in and see if we can understand first, kind of all about this dream, what, what's going on, some historical examples, some other uh, scriptural examples of dreams and visions. See if we can learn anything about when it's used, why it's used, so it can answer that first question, why? why? First, as you think about this, think about what, why this is so important. Is it seems like this vision is about something very critical. I would call it salvation itself. So this story is the plan of salvation, this dream, this vision. And so why would we tell such an important, maybe the most important thing in something that's vague or has interpretation or something like that? And let's see if we can get to that uh, again. So let's go back and look at a little bit of who, what, why, and where we find about dreams and visions in scripture. So one aside before we jump in, I know that there is a ton of material on Lehi's dream and it's awesome. It's one of my favorites. So I'm going to leave you to go and do some of that study of some things that you'll have studied. We will probably cover things you know, but I did want to cover some uh, some different biblical kind of scholarly stuff with you and I will put those notes in the show notes of some additional articles if you want to jump in. But there is a lot of material and no, there's no way I can cover every single gamut and idea of Lehi's dream. So we're going to kind of go through some of the biblical stuff now. So first of all, dreams. Um, It seems to be that the Lord uses dreams and visions, and by the way, they seem to be fairly interchangeable. A dream being you're asleep and a vision you're awake, but in some way you're carried away by the Spirit or you're having some experience in which you're seeing and experience something different. And so just know you'll see both of those terms used in Hebrew. So in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament, they are different words 
but they will seem to have the same effect or be kind of the same effect on that. So you'll see that. Um, I wanted to point out something else that's really interesting. So you'll see this in um, uh, right out of the bat in chapter eight, where he says, I've dreamed a dream. And uh, right, it's, it's verse two. Uh, Lehi comes and he says, he, you know, Cain, he spake unto us and he said, behold, uh, I have dreamed a dream. And I just have to tell you in Hebrew, that phrase right there is repeated so many times. Uh, not only the behold, which is um, a term that is used to say, uh, like, look or pay attention. And a lot of times it's actually going to tell you to actually kind of look at the dream right after that, behold, and then they're going to say it. So you're going to see it in a lot in Genesis with uh, Joseph and Pharaoh. So Joseph dreams a dream, remember, about his brothers. Um, and then Pharaoh dreams a dream, um, a number of dreams about the, well, two different views of the dream, but where it's the skinny cows and the fat cows and all that. And so he does the same thing, behold, <laughs> and then he'll describe it. I'm, I'm on the bank of the river and, and Joseph, behold. Um, and then this phrase is really odd in English. It's, it feels clunky and you've probably read it so many times you don't even recognize it, but man, it jumped out at me this time having just finished a semester of biblical Hebrew, um, where it's, I dreamed a dream. Like we would just say, I had a dream or I dreamed, but it's, it's very repetitive kind of getting that. I dreamed a dream. What else would you have dreamt if it wasn't a dream? But that is exactly how the Hebrew does is it uses that same word to tell you what the direct object is. So it's like, I dreamed a dream. I have had a vision. We wouldn't say I visited a vision, but it's the same idea. So it's super, I don't know. Just super interesting that these people are very Old Testament people and they're even using these phrases. So it immediately took me back. I have dreamed a dream. In other words, I have seen a vision. Now, anciently, we see that, uh, well, humans are always dreaming. And so, you know, Western society, we always try to see like the meaning of dreams and things like that. And I'm sure you've probably seen some of those books that it's like, if you dream about um, falling or something or being chased, it's because you're nervous about work or I, I don't know what they're supposed to mean. But you'll see kind of modern interpretations. Anciently, they had something similar where dreams were seen to seen as something that that is um, God sent pleasant dreams, uh, as well as warnings, judgments, and, and evil spirits, demons, something like that would have sent nightmares. So in the ancient Near East, it was, it was part of the culture that you would say those dreams are a way to impart knowledge. It also could dispense healing. It could help you. It could um, give you some kind of divine blessing, you know, hey, it's, your crops are going to be okay or something. Or if you were going to go on a journey, it would tell you it was okay to do that. Or potentially um, judgment. In fact, this carries on for, oh, a good thousand years or more. And here's one simple aside um, that even the Greeks and all the way until we meet Muhammad, um, the founder of Islam, where they're praying, they would they would sleep or stay in the sanctuary, like in the temple themselves, because they thought there they would be healed or they would receive the closer you were to the altar, the better to because that's where um, God could give you a dream or a vision or tell you what to do, or something along those lines. <clears throat> so very, 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 very common anciently. It, frankly, as well as today, I, I think we're still pretty sensitive to, you know, not the crazy people having visions, not that, but, you know, somehow we still think they're out there. So dreaming 
as a divine form of communication was very significant. In fact, anciently as well, they would also keep these dream books where they would catalog like common uses. So it was kind of <laughs> an encyclopedia of dreams and you could flip to it and you could uh, see. So there's some in Mesopotamia, Egypt, Hittite empires, and they would use these dream books to try to say, well, I could kind of tell you if you saw this, then you'd get that. So if you had a dream about um, seeing a large cat, that was good. You know, you would have a large harvest. If you're bitten by a snake, bad, um, then you're having a fight with someone. No idea why those things mean something else, but there would be some kind of catalog of what your um, dreams meant. I've I've heard some of those, like if you dream your teeth are, like modern, if your teeth are falling out, it means something or... I don't know. So um, so anyway, so dream books and interpretation is something very common anciently, but certainly is something that divine, something was happening divine. They were trying to communicate with you. So there are these catalogs, as well as there are other texts and letters and myths and, and things that all wrote about dreams and, and trying to express the content of their dreams. So so something really common, and I, and I love that it's something we still use today. Normally, however, these messages, as, as we just touched upon, are they're symbolic, right? So there's some kind of uh, symbology, there's some kind of representation it's supposed to meant, and we're intended to try to figure that out. All right, let's look at a few examples anciently and see if you can see some of them. Um, here a couple. One of the most famous ones, which I just mentioned, was Joseph. And so Joseph of Egypt. And you're going to find that Nephi is very much a type of Joseph of Egypt. So if you haven't caught on to that, you can pretty much put that on every page of Nephi, that Nephi and his family are seen as Joseph in Egypt. So he's the youngest brother, pretty much, right? Joseph's the second to the youngest. But um, Joseph's the younger, you know, besides Benjamin is the youngest brother. He is not liked by his older brothers. He is um, cast out of his native land. He is a dreamer, a believer. And he um, goes through a lot of trials very young. When he's very young, he's favored of the Lord. He goes through some of these trials. And in these trials, he sees that the Lord still favored him, even as trying as they were. So in Joseph's case, right, he's thrown in a well and beaten up. And then he's sold as a slave. And then he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And then he's in jail. And, you know, just, but every time the Lord seems to work it for his good, make Joseph a better person but also ultimately save his family. Just like Nephi from this Joseph family, remember he's from Manasseh, so he is from Joseph, and Ishmael is from Ephraim, so um, Nephi's children would all be from Ephraim and Manasseh, and actually a lot of times too it, pa it passes through uh, your mother and your father, so it depends on which um, time in the Nephite culture you would have been from, but which tribe you would kind of get your patriarchal blessing from. So they are from Joseph. So you're going to see the same things happen with Nephi. His older brothers don't like him. He goes through these trials, but the Lord loves him. He's a visionary man. He is beloved of God. Um, and then through him, his whole family is going to be saved, namely us of Joseph. So if you have not seen the pattern of Joseph of Egypt, the dream should start to clue you in. Okay, so we talked about Joseph um, of Egypt. He has his dream about like the sheaves, right, and the stars, and then they're all bowing to him. So his brothers are like, hey, those are the 11 of us. We're bowing to you, the better star, and they don't like that. Um, so they immediately saw what that interpretation was. 
So there's there's that one. Um, additionally, in Genesis, going right from that story, remember Pharaoh, uh, Joseph's uh, the boss later, dreams it's seven thin cows and seven fat cows and then seven scrawny grain stalks and then uh, they're eating the fat grain stalks and and <clears throat> Joseph interprets them but also Joseph you're going to see something interesting about Joseph and we'll come back to this Joseph is seen as an interpreter of dreams so Pharaoh has the dream and someone interprets it and um remember the butler and the cupbearer in jail with him also have dreams and they're very worried that there's no one to interpret it and they say Joseph can interpret it and then that's the same thing that happens with Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream. No one can interpret it. Joseph can interpret it. So there's usually these two roles of, that's the first thing we should take away. There's someone who dreams and someone who interprets. All right, so let's look at the Nephi story. In Lehi's dream, he says, I've had a dream. In other words, I've seen a vision. And then most of the story we get is not from Lehi describing it. It's from Nephi having a similar vision. I don't know that it's exactly the same. It certainly seems to give a lot more detail. And then there's an interpretation, and Nephi's uh, vision of it seems to be the interpretive side as well as seeing it, but he seems to, um, they're, they're kind of two. And so there's a visionary person, an interpretive person, just like Joseph of Egypt. So again, underline that. We're supposed to see a pattern in that. Um, there are also a few other people that receive dreams and visions. Uh, Daniel is a good example. Daniel um, was able to interpret uh, the king's dream, right? Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and no one could interpret it. And they don't, he said, well, you have to tell me what the dream was too. Um, and he does. And, and so they, and they burn all the, 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 the other uh, priests and stuff who couldn't, <coughs> the false ones. And so there's, again, this idea of someone having a dream and someone interpreting it. But since it's divinely given, only someone divinely blessed Daniel, in this case, Joseph, um, Nephi, can give the interpretation of the dream, okay? There's another, there are quite a few more that you might not realize, but there's a famous one about Solomon uh, that you probably remember in 1 Kings 3, where it says Solomon goes, goes to Gibeon to sacrifice, and, uh, and he hadn't built the temple yet. This is early on. And so when Sol this is David's son, Sol King Solomon, and the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, you know, what... I ask what I shall give thee. You let me know what you want. It's kind of the, sounds like a genie. Tell me what your wish is. And Solomon requests wisdom and an understanding heart. And it says the Lord grants him that as well as some riches and honor. And in Solomon's story, <laughs> he builds the temple, uh, but he, he doesn't turn out that great. So, but here's a point at which he has a dream and he is, he's blessed with wisdom, which then becomes folly, vanity, vanity. So anyway, so Solomon's, has a classic example of um, a divine message being given in a dream, right? So there's, and this one, there isn't that much symbolic in, in imagery. So that one's a little bit different. There's just, here's God talking to him. Okay, but then we see the symbolic ones. Uh, we went through those. All right, the next one I, I've mentioned is this idea of the dream report. So we've talked about that, but where there's a lot of times uh, someone in, defining the dream for them. <clears throat> I find that fascinating that in here in Le Lehi and Nephi, you find that story. The majority of the story is coming from Nephi, the interpretation of it. So let's look at a few things that come up there and see if anything strikes you as helpful. 
All right, one thing to watch for is some of the elements that you're going to see in these dreams that are very, there's a pattern, or, or a very frequently used pattern in the dreams in the scripture, and I think it helps us um, see them. The first is the introduction. So there's kind of this announcement, which we just saw, I have dreamed a dream, I've seen a vision. I love it too, because it's actually a Joseph Smith's first vision. He comes back and says, I have seen a vision, right? It's, it's very similar that there's an announcement of that. The second is the description, right, of what happened. So there's a, they describe, and in Lehi, you'll see it um, right away, where he goes right into chapter, or verse 3 in chapter 8 of 1 Nephi. Um, he's, he gives a reason, but then he says, uh, verse 5, I came to pass, I, or I thought I was in a dark and dreary wilderness, verse 5, and it came to pass, I saw a man, he was dressed in a white robe, and he stood before me, etc. And then he describes Lehi's dream. So there's a description of the events. And then third, a lot of times there's an interpretation of the dream, often by someone else, which we mentioned, and sometimes they're um, not always part of it. Sometimes they are, like Joseph of Egypt or Nephi, they have to call him on. And so um, this helps tell the, um, the last step, which is we see the events come to pass. So in Lehi's dream, you know, Ray worried about Laman and Lemuel falling away, and we certainly see that in the account of the story. So introduction, description, interpretation, and then the part where it happens. Another feature that you kind of see in the scriptures is that the, the book is going to kind of invite us to see the picture by the way, the description. And I mentioned it, they'll say, Hene, and it would say, behold, behold. And so they're, they're like, look, right? Behold means to actually see. Um, and so you would say, look, something like that, look, and then he's going to paint the picture. Uh, so it draws attention. So um, in Pharaoh's dream in Genesis, it happens like, I don't know, five or six times. Look, look, and then he's all, and then I saw this, behold, I saw this, behold. So he's painting the picture for us um, that kind of tells what's going on. Um, there's also sometimes wordplay and some things that they use. Well, it'll be harder for you to recognize, but um, but that's okay. Uh, you'll you'll see sometimes where they're repeating words, and you know, like the seven sheep, the seven cows, and the seven will repeat over and over again. And in this case, in Nephi, I want you to see if you can find any repeated words. It might be words like um, white. Uh, description of that or a tree or a field or some of the elements or some of the um, elements about a tree, a seed, a tree, uh, the leaves, the fruit, right? It's trying to tell us something about the point of the story because it's repeating it with us. All right, so let's jump into the intro, uh, what we kind of went through and see these uh, in Nephi really quickly. Okay, so jumping in in chapter 8, we know some of the elements, and I am not going to read them all to you, but you kind of know. Lehi comes, and he starts and says, hey, I've had a dream, or a vision, and I'm going to, t he, he kind of gives us not the conclusion of the dream necessarily, but his feelings about it. And I think he underlines it here, and he underlines it summarizing his dream towards the end of 8, but he basically says, I want to, uh, I've seen a vision and behold, because of the thing which I have seen, I have reason to rejoice in the Lord because of Nephi and Sam. For reason, for I have reason to suppose that they and also many of their seed will be saved. But behold, Laman and Lemuel, I fear exceedingly because of you. 
this is going to be part of the story of the Book of Mormon and certainly the Book of Nephi. We're going to see it in First Nephi 21 as well. Nephi is going to see the same thing and he's going to use Isaiah um, to try to say, hey, brothers, I'm worried about you. Here's what's happening. So you're going to see this theme start to repeat. Uh, first, um, they're worried about Laman and Lemuel, uh, being Le- Lehi, Nephi, Sariah, and and especially Nephi as he becomes, uh, takes a bigger role. Then he describes, then Lehi goes on to describe, so it's a dark and dreary wilderness. He sees a man, and he was in a white robe, and the man came and stood before him, and then he said to follow him, and he followed, and he's walking for like hours and hours, and it's, I mean, you just, it's such a painting, right? Put yourself in this place. I'm walking in this dreary waste for hours in the dark, just hiking and hiking, and finally he's crying out like I'm praying, like, oh, how long is this going to go on? This is terrible. And then, right, as that happens, as he prays, something happens after he prays, which is an interesting point. He had to pray for that hiking to stop. And then he beholds a large and spacious field. And we don't know the meaning of it yet, so don't jump in. Which is the world? Just say it's the spacious field. And then he sees a tree whose fruit was de- was desirable to make one happy. Okay. We should immediately start cluing into this. Tree, tree, tree. All right. So let's stop there and let's go back to our question as we as we jump back and forth between this and the next couple episodes. Why is the Lord using a dream or a vision? Why is he using symbols? Why is he using a pattern that he's used in the Old Testament and today, even up to Joseph Smith and further on, to explain his meaning? I don't know the answer exactly. I don't know that I'm any expert on this, but I think because the Lord can tell us what it means. If he just gave us a rule book and said, this is salvation. First, earth's going to be tough, and then you're going to go here, and then there'll be a savior. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate with us, right? We have to figure it out. With the help of the Spirit, we have to figure it out. And so I think these visions are so poignant because we have to figure them out. Like perhaps going to the temple or any other ritual experience, we have to figure them out. I love here that they're going to have an interpretation. So I'm going to leave you with this one thought. Where else do you see, or it's a question, I suppose, where else do you see a a tree? Where else in scriptures do you see a tree? Are they the same tree? Why is it a tree? Why isn't it something else? And what does it mean? All right, Scriptorians, that's it for today. We will move on and continue on with the dream next time.
that someone uh, that everyone should read. All right, one quick story before we go into how to study a little bit more. 